been a year since we had all these guys in the same room together. Group of five guys, the podcast that covers the group of five, including the good old fun belt, joins us. This is Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report. Matt Sprouse, the ringleader of the group of five. Jeez. Oh, how it goes and, and, and introduce your gang here as, as y'all get ready to take over the fun belt. No, man. Well, we got the, we don't have the whole squad on, but we got three of us. Yeah, Matt Sprouse. Um, I don't want I don't know if you want to call me the ringleader. I'm just I'm just the host, man. I do what I can. Um, but uh yeah, man, we're glad to be here. We love the Sunbelt. I mean, we love all the group of five conferences, but Sunbelt tends to be uh one of the most exciting and definitely the most passionate fans. So they've shown us the most love. But my two two of my best buds here, Jeff Murphy and Tyler Tipton, hanging out. Tip's the smartest one of us all. He's got usually has the numbers and the rational points. And then Murph is, uh, you know, he's the, he's the QB. So he's the guy that sees the field, everything. And then he also handles our audio video editing and stuff, but I'll let them talk. I don't, I don't need to introduce them like that. No, I appreciate you having us, man. We always love to talk Sunbelt football, especially. And uh, it's been a crazy season so far. I think teams that we thought was going to be probably at the top aren't and some, some uh, surprise newcomers kind of stepping up and taking over. So excited to talk about it. Yeah, Dusty, thank you so much for having us tonight. And yeah, I mean, going going on uh, what Murph was just talking about, like we knew that, you know, Louisiana, for example, was, you know, might have a, might not be as good as they have been in recent years, but to see them currently 0-2 in the conference is uh, it's just something that a lot of people weren't expecting this season. And, and, we obviously don't do video, but just know that Tyler is, is, is all boob cat out wearing his Texas State shirt. So, <laughs> so right. we, we love the support there that, that he's given us all. Guys, when, when, when you look, we're at the midway point of the season. Obviously, that week three was, was absolute craziness with yeah. App State, with Marshall, with Georgia Southern all getting the huge upset wins. Y'all were on the outside looking at what was that that – kind of take that y'all had across the G5 as you saw the Sun Belt really kind of stepping up on the national stage? I mean, for me, it was great. You know, it was great to prove the point. Like, we always preach that your middle of the road, normal power five schools are no different from everybody else. And it was and it was great to see, especially APCO beat A&M, who was, I think, what were they, number six at the time. And then, you know, to be honest with you, you see those teams, you know, you see App State struggling now, and it's proof that, you know, they're not they're not world beaters in the group of five right now, but they went up to AM and handled their business. And then Georgia Southern to beat Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska's down, but they're a blue blood. I mean, they're a traditional powerhouse. Georgia Southern beats them. I mean, and then Marshall, same thing. They go beat Notre Dame, and then they kind of struggle right after that. So it's not like you're seeing, you know, the undefeated Cincinnati of last year beat Notre Dame. You're seeing decent Sunbelt teams, decent group of five teams are beating decent to good power five teams. So just proved a lot of our points. Out of those three, three big wins. And I really don't want to take anything away from, from any of the games. Which one do you think was really the big earth shattering win there for the Sunbelt and, and even the, the group of five as a whole? And I'm, I'm going to have to go app state at Texas A&M. I think anytime you can go on the road and, and they were number six, I believe Texas A&M was at the time. 
And uh, to go in there and, and get that win, I mean, that was such – I mean, that's set – I mean, I know the news cycles are so fast these days, but, I mean, they were talking about App State and Sean Clark, and he was all over ESPN for a good three or four days after that, which normally, like, you get 24 hours news cycle, and that's about it. And, uh, I mean, just what it did for that university and that program, I mean, everybody was talking about it. I mean, I saw artic- you know, articles saying that, you know, the administration better get ready because they're going to double or some, some crazy number of their enrollment because of that game. So I think it just kind of put, you know, put not only App State, but the Sun Belt especially and the group of five in general just kind of in a place in a limelight that they haven't had in, in quite some time. You obviously cover all the all the group of five. I mean, have y'all seen another week like that ever in, in, in the group of five? I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, to, to Jeff's point, if if they all happened on separate weekends, all three of those schools would have gotten publicity. But because App State beat A&M like that, Georgia Southern, I mean, the Georgia Southern over Nebraska, I mean, yeah, Scott Frost got fired, but that's really it. I mean, you didn't hear anything about that and then Marshall beat Notre Dame and that didn't really get a whole lot I mean so I don't think there's ever been a time especially all three of them coming from the same conference and then all three of them beating you know like I said three of the premier brand names in college football I don't think there's ever been anything like it but to give a tip of the cap to y'all in the G5 y'all are all middle to the sea guys y'all had a good flag flag raising win this year as well I mean how, how big was that yeah, no question. First time middle has beaten an AP top 25 team. And it, funny enough, I grew up a Miami hurricane fan. So I was getting more phone calls and texts after that game. People that I didn't even know knew that I went to middle Tennessee. were like, bro, tell your coach to call off the dogs, man. We're, we're getting smoked. And, uh, but again, then middle Tennessee goes and loses two conference games in a row. And it's, it's again, Miami is, a decent team. So is middle Tennessee and UTSA is really good. And UAB is really good. So it's just more, more evidence to our point that these middle of the road to, to good, unless you're in the top, you know, five or six, anybody can get beat any Saturday by anybody. So we look around all of college football there because there's so many bowl ties that we're going to start talking about coming up. G5, Conference USA, the Maction, taking on the Sun Belt. Who are the teams that you see kind of standing out that, that Sun Belt needs to be uh, on the lookout for as, as bowl season starts to kind of take the shape? I mean, Coastal's got to be the one that the Sun Belt needs to be promoting the heck out of because um, I don't know what the – I mean, I guess James Madison can't play in a bowl or in the postseason. So if I was the Sun Belt, I would start – you know, lobbying all I had for Coastal because if they end up, if they do end up running the table or, you know, maybe having just one loss, I would be fighting with everything I got to get them in a New Year's Bowl. And if you're talking about, you know, other conferences, maybe teams to watch out for, you know, obviously, you know, UTSA seems to be the, the favorite in Conference USA. They're really good. UAB is kind of the, I would say, probably the second, you know, second best team so far in that complete team in that conference. And then if you look at the Mac, I mean, Toledo, I mean, they, they're kind of leading all the statistics um, in that. That's conference. just that one guy though. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Daquan Finn, he's, he's a stud, man. I mean, you got to, he's a dual threat guy. He can throw it. He's efficient. He can run. So, I mean, that, that's one you got to watch out for. If you know, once you get into bowl season, if you're playing them, he's going to be a problem to stop. And I don't, I don't know if uh, any Sunbelt teams will be playing any Mountain West teams uh, out of that conference, but Boise State with this new quarterback they have coming in are starting to, are starting to roll off some wins. And once, um, uh, uh, once uh, UNLV is another good team, a uh, lot of very surprising team. That's one of the big surprises out of the Mountain West. And once Jake Hander comes back for Fresno State, that they're going to start rolling off some wins as well. So a lot, a lot of good teams out of the Mountain West to look out for as well. I mean, we're all in this together in the group of five, but why do you think the Sun Belt kind of doesn't get into the mix with the Mountain West or even the American to try to really jockey for that true top position, you know, when you have these head-to-head games? Because I don't think the MAC really plays them either. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I you know, it's it's interesting to see the 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 branding of all the schools. It's almost like, especially with the American it's like they've, they've had the past success at the highest level. I think it's why they get the, everybody thinks the American or, or, or mountain West is at the top. Like Boise has had years and years and years of power five wins, big brand name. Like I think if, I think when it comes down to it, if it's anybody other than Boise, they probably are not the mountain West probably is not getting the same love when it comes to those bowl games. And then in the American you know, you had UCF make a run for a few years and Cincinnati's had the run. So I think there's, I think there's, while the Sun Belt has had really good teams and they've had the upsets, they've not had one team make a run for several years, you know, power five win after power five win um, consistently to build the national audience. I don't know. I don't think I really answered your question at all there, but, but we'll take it. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't I mean, know if there's necessarily like a clear cut answer other than, you know, for some reason, I'm a West Coast guy. Like, I think some of the TV markets might be a little bit bigger. And then, like Sprouse said, I mean, you had Boise State that, you know, won the Fiesta Bowl, which was a huge win. You know, at the time, right around that time, I believe, I mean, you had Hawaii was really good. They had Colt Brenner. Yeah, they got crushed in the Sugar Bowl. But I mean, they had a, that was another team that, you know, made one of those big bowls. So, you know, I, I probably that's, you know, I'm with Sprouse there. It's, it's just, you know, they haven't had a team that's made one of those, you know, at the time it was BCS, but, you know, one of those big bowls or, you know, Coastal had that, you know, that great season, of, you know, they're calling it the COVID year, but, you know, hadn't really had like a, a undefeated team or one lost team. Not that I can remember that, you know, might've had a claim. But I think the Sun Belt though has put themselves in a good position no for question. the future with bringing in teams like James Madison, where you're seeing this instant success from them, a team like Marshall that was very good in conference USA and is currently three and two on the season with only, they've only played one conference game and they have the one, one loss, but and an old dominion beaten Virginia tech in week one, you bring in these good teams. They're, they're setting their, themselves up for, to get in those bigger bowl games and to win those bigger bowl games and to get more recognition to the conference. You mentioned, you, you, you mentioned the, the good old conference USA. If, if there's one conference that is the definite rival of the Sunbelt, it's y'all's Sunbelt. Yeah. Divide this, this question up. Why didn't middle Tennessee 
come back to the Sun Belt in this offseason when they had the chance? And then B, is Kennesaw State really going to be the team that gives Conference USA the boost to put them back on the map? Jeff, you probably know you probably have the intel on the uh, first question. Yeah, from what I've gathered, I, I do the radio uh, for MTSU, or this is my first year doing it, and uh, I've kind of got you know re, not I've always been involved in the program, but you know you're kind of more behind the scenes talking to a lot of people on a on a regular basis that I didn't used to get to talk to. From what I understand, I don't think the Sun Belt really, you know, ever reached out to them to come back. I think with them leaving the Sun Belt a few years back, um, kind of left a sour taste in the commissioner, you know, commissioner's mouth. And they had an opportunity to possibly go to the Mac, but uh, it ultimately came down to a financial decision, you know, paying the exit fees, and the entry entry fees to going to the Mac, which it just didn't make sense when you had teams leaving conference USA, which gave, you know, MTSU more of a share of the, of the money and any other teams coming in. So, and, and basically what, I was told is you know, the AD basically said like in a few years, it's going to get changed up again is what he thinks. So it just makes more sense to kind of stay put, try and do, do their best to, you know, really be one of the top teams in conference USA. And then when they add these other teams in like Kennesaw, you know, they'll get, they'll get, it, it was more of a financial decision to stay than it was anything to leave. Um, now I don't know much about Kennesaw state, to be honest. Um, you know, time will tell if, if they end up being one, you know, a, a really good program. I don't, I don't think they're on the level of James Madison, which Sumble added this year, but um, you know, as far as, you know, regionally, you know, it makes sense. It's, it's, it's kind of in this Southeastern hub and, you know, as far as travel and that goes. I mean, are you to, excited about the team, the, the teams they did add to the conference though? I mean, to me, it kind of felt like we need to get teams in here. Um, it, it was kind of the feeling that I got. Uh, I think, I don't know who runs necessarily making all the decisions in conference USA, but uh, they've, they've honestly kind of been behind the eight ball in my opinion, whereas the Sun Belt for the last honestly decade is really kind of gone after teams that they wanted when the initial, you know, teams kind of left and they've done a good job. You got to give credit to that commissioner and those coaches, you know, bringing teams on, you know, that have done a great job to strengthen. I mean, the Sun Belt is, is arguably one of the best group of five conferences in the country and, that's because of what they've done the last decade and adding great teams and just, you know, year after year improving. If, if I, if I may chime in on the Kennesaw state deal, I think it's, it's kind of par for the course for conference USA, because you look at a James Madison that the Sunbelt adds, and this is a team that has been very, very good at the FCS level for a very, very long time building and building and has built a culture and has built a fan base and has built a following and they go to the Sun Belt with other traditional football culture places. And Kennesaw State, they've only been playing football for not a whole lot of years. And so I think you're going to have the same problem as the rest of the conference has. Plus, you're in a rel pretty much a major market. So you're going to have the crowd issue at, at Kennesaw State. I, I, yeah, I'm excited about Liberty, I think, because it's a decent brand name. Um, but I think they, to me, it screams desperation going after a Kennesaw state, I would have, I mean, the way the conference is spread out anyway, I would have rather seen a North Dakota state or a Montana or something like that. I don't know if that was ever an option, but I don't, I don't think those desperate. teams, I don't think those teams. And from what I've read, like they have no really desire to, 
at least right now yeah. to kind of jump up. I mean, and why would you? I mean, they're doing very well where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. But when they but when they do, if they jump up, they'll be good right away. Yeah. Like James Madison, like App State, like Georgia Southern, where maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like Kennesaw State's going to come in and struggle. But we'll, we shall see. Yeah, I mean, because don't they struggle right now at the FCS level in the SOCON? I think they're in. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 not. I think they're decent. I think they're they were good last year. I know they were in the top 10 uh, at one point in the season last year because they were playing. I remember we were talking to uh, Gardner Webb's coach, Trey Lamb, and they were getting ready to play Kennesaw and they were they were ranked at the time. But I don't know what they finished. But, you know, yeah, they're not. You think of James Madison, you think of North Dakota State, you think you could you could pretty much predict three or four teams that are going to play for the FCS national championship. And James Madison has been one of them for the last decade. And so I just think, I just think you're going to have the same issues that you have with every other team in conference USA. There's going to be lack of culture. You're again, you're in Georgia where, you know, not only the, not only are you in power five country, you're in like, the georgia the most rabid fans in the country you're right there yeah georgia and then they're close enough you're gonna have alabama problems auburn problems tennessee problems so you know we'll see i i mean i don't i don't want that also i think they and i think their stadium's small i thought there was a rule on having a certain number it's season tickets now they've changed that that role used to be seats and now it's it's supposed season tickets is what i've been told but i mean last year they were 11 and 2 this year they're 2 and 3 so far so you know we'll see they made it to the playoffs last year but i mean we'll see it's just you know we'll see if they maybe moving up gives them a little more recruiting ability possibly you know time will tell on that one yeah emirates retiring from the ncaa y'all are named to the commission there to to fix college football does the G5 break away and just kind of form its own thing and, and have its own playoff or its own uh, uh, division, so to say? Mm. I'll answer. <laughs> um, I don't want that. I, I don't want that because that is throwing in the towel and admitting that you're a lesser level of football. Now, what I would potentially be okay with is if, you know, if these so-called super conferences, if, if they're gonna, if the sec would take Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Oklahoma, maybe one or two others, LSU, and they separated and there was only like 20 or 30 teams, maybe, maybe I, but I don't want, I mean, there's no business in saying we're less, lesser, you know, football than a Georgia tech or a wake forest or, you know, all of the ACC other than Clemson. So I don't know. I, it might happen though. It's probably going to happen. We just go from your league and you get relegated. (laughs) We talked about this kind of jokingly, kind of not on a a previous episode of ours, Um, but you make the college football playoff, uh, you know, 12, 16 teams. If G5 gets one or two teams in that, 12 or 16 team playoff then great um if not why not create some kind of an nit style tournament bracket where you have a mixture of g5 and power five teams in there and they i, I don't know to, to me personally i think that would just be extremely entertaining to watch i love it i mean as much as i love 
good old March Madness. I definitely love the the NIT and the C-level tournaments because I feel like that they are, uh, A, they're on your campus, so you're automatically going to get a bigger bump that way. And then beyond that, it's it's teams that are actually going to play the game. It's, it's not a kind of predetermined game that you already know Duke's going to beat North Carolina A&T like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, and I've never, I've never understood, you know, either like why, why would anybody be against more games? Like that's one thing that's always kind of baffled me. And people, and, and you get these talking heads, obviously on ESPN and CBS, like makes no sense to expand the playoffs. What about the bowl games? This and that. It's like, look at what March Madness is, and look at how popular college football is. A playoff, and every other sport that I know of does a playoff. Like literally, college football at this level is the only one that doesn't. So, like, don't tell me it doesn't work. It's because somebody somewhere doesn't want to change the format because of, obviously, money, or they don't think that they'll make an, as much money when you could still have all your bowl games, you know, represent different rounds, different places, and it just I, – I, I don't know. I don't, I've never understood why they won't expand it or don't want to. It's player safety, of course, because more games, oh. concussions, and more injuries. Yeah, that's – yeah. Oh, wait, I <laughs> – Sorry, I, I I had to speak reason there for a minute. <laughs> you notice I'm wearing a Miami Dolphins T-shirt right now, and oh, player safety. I mean, the Dolphins are cursed. <laughs> Anytime anybody gets touched, they're going to put them in a two-week protocol. Well, well, that, well that's now that's going to be the case going forward. Yeah, <laughs> they already did it with Bridgewater, <laughs> like a fourth quarterback. And hey, it's another time, another subject. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so. You talk about expanding the playoff, though. I mean, like last year we had Coastal Carolina head coach uh, Cliff Ellis on talking about basketball. He wants to basically take the the rankings of one through I forget how many uh, basketball teams are. You know, three hundred twenty. One plays three twenty, and you just divide it out. It's about another month of the season, and then we have a true national title. Whew. So he wants like like a whole tournament. Everybody's in. You are the NCAA champion. You can do that I, in basketball. I'm, you can do it in baseball. You can I don't do know it in about baseball. Football. Football. Yeah. I don't Football, know. I mean, to, to me, I am a proponent. 16 teams, all 10 conference champions, and six at large. I think it, I think you wouldn't get anybody complaining because you would get every conference champ, and then you'd still, you know, the mighty SEC would still be able to put two or three teams in there. The big 10 would put two or three teams in there and then everybody has a shot. And, and to me, everybody says, well, then the regular season doesn't mean as much. Well, who cares? Cause you just added, you know, three more rounds of true meaningful playoff rounds. And I mean, I wouldn't care if they were bowl games. I'd love to see college football playoffs on campus. Um, I think like if last year, let's say you had a four or five matchup and, Notre Dame had to go to Cincinnati for the playoff. I mean, especially for the group of five. I mean, that would just do wonders for finances and ticket sales and, you know, crowd involvement. But who knows? I think they're, I think the, the powers that be, uh, I think they know that that would close the gap because I think that would be an advantage to the group of five in recruiting as opposed to what it is now. I think a kid that's, you know, a kid could go to UAB thinking, hey, I could win Conference USA every year and make the playoffs versus if I go to Auburn and I may never make the playoffs. So 
I think that's where I think that's what they don't want. So the G five definitely shined also last year in the baseball. I know you are all about football, but the G five was there legit in in baseball as well. Does that kind of show that you know when you have the LSU's that will travel to say a McNeese State or whoever? that that kind of evens the playing field in those sports yeah i mean i absolutely i think i think that's why most of the power fives and in all sports like don't want to go to a group of five school because they're at a significant disadvantage um and there's i mean it's especially in baseball and basketball i mean you see all these you know group of five schools that make runs in the tournament you know so i mean and in those other sports, you know, there's so many more games, like they kind of have to, whereas football, like you have this set schedule every year. And now they're like, I mean, shoot, they're scheduling stuff like five, almost 10 years out, which is, you don't even know really what team you're playing, you know, at that point, like who's going to be there, what coach is going to be there. So it's like, they never, they never want to go, you know, on the road against, you know, an underdog. I'm a huge home dog guy. And uh, and that's why, because they're just at a, they're at such a disadvantage where they don't have the, the crowd and everything else. Like they have less room for error. NIL, I know, I know that's been hitting the G five pretty hard. What's been y'all's take that y'all heard around the the group of five there, Tyler? I know, I know you know some some NIL. <laughs> to be honest, I, re- I really don't. Sprouse would be the one that <laughs> oh. might know more about that. No, I mean, I just for. I just think you you don't have the people that are these mega I don't even know mega billionaires that are that are so invested at the group of five schools and I think that hurts like people are getting NIL deals but I don't I don't know that they're making life you know anything life changing and I I think it's I think it is unfair that a Bryce Young can go sign a million and a half dollar deal before he takes a snap I think that's stupid. And I don't think that was the purpose of the NIL. I think the NIL will, they'll get some regulation behind that. Um, You know, it's cool to see some of these guys be able to sell a t-shirt here and there. Um, I just hope they don't get wrapped up into it. And, and, and it is hurting, you know, the guys that are transferring with the transfer portal along with NIL. I think that's where the problems lie because a guy can go have a good year at, you know, middle Tennessee, and not make any money and not play in, you know, in front of huge crowds. And then a school like Tennessee or, you know, the corner went to Louisville, transferred to Louisville last year, number number one in interceptions in the country. And he transfers probably because somebody at Louisville at Papa John's or KFC or whatever was like, hey, dude, you know, give you an extra 50 grand to come play here. Why wouldn't you, you know? So I, I, I think the one thing that I've seen in, 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 this was a firsthand experience. We all know that scene from Jerry Maguire where the where the kid wants the, the hockey guy to sign his car, but he won't sign it because it's not the right brand. I've already seen it where college kids are not signing autographs for kids because they already have an NIL deal. And this is, you know, something as simple as a, a schedule poster. <laughs> I think that is where the NIL went way too far. And, and it, it's definitely time for the NCAA to kind of bring it back in some so that we don't have these multimillionaires that are 17 years old that have never even played it down. Yeah. Well also too, it's, it's, they were so against it for so long. And then it's like all at once, they just said, all right, 
enough's enough. You guys just do whatever you want. If you open Pandora's box and once it's out, like you're not getting out to go back in. And w- along with like Sproul said with the transfer portal, it's just, it's just killing a lot of these group of five schools and even, even, you know, you know, the lower level schools because these power five schools are able to attract, you know, the top talent at these other schools and basically load their practice squad is what they're doing. You know, occasionally you'll get a guy that, you know, he, he might, you know, rarely, rarely do you get them where they start right away. I mean, a handful of them do, but most of them, from what I've been told is just being put, you know, on the practice squad to, you know, it makes the, the first and second team better because you're going against better competition, but you're getting, you know, these kids are kind of getting sold a, a false, you know, a false narrative, like come here, we're going to give you this money and you're going to ball out. And it's like, they get there. And I don't think the grass is always greener. I think it's still really new. And in a couple of years, I hope, my hope is that the word's going to get around like, Oh, this isn't really what we thought it was as far as, you know, I want to go somewhere and play like not go somewhere and, you know, yeah, I'm making a little bit of money, but I'm just sitting on, I'm sitting on the practice squad or I'm second or third string. Like what, what good is that? My, my thing is, you, you know, you can either be a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond, you know, you just got to make the decision. I'd rather be the best player on a smaller school where everybody's talking about me. I'm making all the plays. I'm playing maximum amount of, you know, uh, downs and I have all the tape in the world. Whereas I go to an SEC or an ACC school and I'm, I got minimal film. You know, my goal is trying to go in the NFL. It's like, I, you know, I don't have the same exposure as I did. Yeah. I'm on a you know better team. Maybe we make a national championship possibly, you know, but are you getting the same amount of exposure? And I think these kids just automatically think I'm going to go in the portal. I'm going to go somewhere automatic, you know, this is that. And it's like, if you look at the numbers of, tra- you know, actual successful transfers, it's, it's not anywhere near as high as people think. Y'all were players at, at, at Middle Tennessee in, in the G5. Tell me about uh, that kind of balance and, and, and things that you had to go through as the student athlete and, and your favorite memory, because y'all were in the Sun Belt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that last year. Uh, so my last year was the first year in Conference USA. It was a big celebration moving on up, man. What an awesome time. And then that just really fell fell on its head. Um, I mean, for me, dude, you know, I, I – I, played in one series my time at middle Tennessee, but I was a walk on. And my first year I actually did work in the, you know, worked a job in the off season. So I worked an overnight shift uh, at Coles, actually unloading the truck. Um, but to me, that's where I think some NIL stuff could be better. Um, I think if you could provide, walk-ons with some help financially or if you could provide even the scholarship players with a chance to get some work experience um and maybe some money sure but these million dollar deals to put your face on something is stupid to me but if you if you could use it as a teaching moment because typically you can't work I me mean, certainly can't work during the season so then when it comes time for the guys you know like all of us that i n- never had a sniff of the nfl and then you go to look for a job and you have zero real work experience. And sure, everybody loves an athlete or they say they do. But, you know, you don't you don't get a chance to get an internship that's going to put you in position to get a six figure job early enough. You know, you're going to be working entry level. You're going to be selling, you know, life insurance or, or working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. So <laughs> that's what I did. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I, I just... I think people for the most part, and then just to say, you know, the balance, I think people on the outside don't quite understand it. 
um, because most people do. We still do have a heck of a time in college and have fun and party and all that. But yeah, I mean, 90% of college students hate when they have to go to 8 a.m. classes, but every football player on campus is in 8 a.m. classes, everyone. Um, and then, you know, you look at that now, my, my God, 8 a.m., how, how nice would that be? But, uh, you know, I think people don't understand, and, and I think that's part of the disconnect, but why some schools have trouble with fans. I think if they found a way to educate people on, like, or, or let them partake in some stuff, let them partake in some workouts all summer, spring, and I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but uh, the balance is difficult. I think it prepares you for life, though, for sure. So especially as a guy that wasn't that it was never about playing time or playing past college. It was just about, OK, this is I'm having fun with my guys. I'm working hard. I'm in the locker room and I'm preparing for life. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, I think, you, you know, we're talking about, you know, our time at, at MTSU and, and being in the Sun Belt. You know, I, I, I miss a lot of those rivalries. I mean, you know, my last year was the last year in the Sun Belt, And, uh, you know, somebody had the bright idea. We were bowl eligible, decided to announce that we were moving to Conference USA, mm. you know, after right after our last game. And, and we actually got snubbed of a bowl game that year because of that. But um, I always love going down to, to Louisiana, man. Those, those fans are something different down there. And they, they, they do their homework. And we had an issue, our starting quarterback, uh, the first year I was there, Dwight Dasher, got in a little financial trouble. He, uh, you know, got in a little gambling uh, problem and stole a check from one of our offensive linemen and basically didn't tell him. And the check, Yeah, the check bounced. Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget, we were down there. Dasher wasn't even playing. And, uh, man, they had, like, one of the giant-sized checks of uh you know you'd see like in in happy gilmore like the big ones <laughs> and it had like dasher's name on it and it said void and like they were talking about people's girlfriends like and i gotta give credit to those raging cajun fa- that those fans down there i mean that was just and they're right on top of you on the sideline like they're literally like six feet behind the bench it's like you hear every single thing you know that you're, that they're saying and they know stuff that you wouldn't think they know that was always like a, a great memory and then uh and Arkansas State was really good back then when we were playing. And that, I just remember the battles, you know, there and at home playing against them. And, and they were always just a really good team. But And then Troy. I mean, the, the, the rivalry that one. Middle and Troy had, um, you know, every single year was just such, such a great rivalry. And now it's, you know, it's gone. And you only, you know, they played the, the COVID year twice, I believe, um, just because of scheduling. But. It's like you, you know, you miss that stuff, and those were all great rivalries, great games, and they were together for so long, and then they get split up. So you know, it just kind of sucks. Believe me, uh, spending the weekend in Troy, the battle for the Palladium rivalry is alive and well. <laughs> they, <laughs> They're like, mad we, we still got it, <laughs> dude. Yes, they are. Like, why didn't y'all come to the Sun Belt so we could play? And then me and Jesse would just be like, "Well, I mean, we got the trophy in Murfreesboro, though." And it, oh boy, <laughs> like, like it is both fan bases want it and i don't yeah. see why you wouldn't it's a it's another good one but what can you I love do? that trophy I, I i love that rivalry i, I think that was definitely a, a big thing that helped propel the Sun Belt to to really get to where it is and and see the need to make sure that we had these regional rivalries so I, I definitely love that you mentioned arkansas state i think between there and in lafayette arkansas state i swear their students were standing on the sidelines yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, and they got a great atmosphere too. I mean, I mean their their facilities are nice, and that they always like. And you know, there's not a ton to do in Jonesboro, but like, damn, they were every time we went down there. I think we went down there twice. You know, out of the three years that I was there, we were there twice, and they came to us once, and it was always packed, man. There was always so many people there, and it was just a great environment. Them, you know, Western was always a great environment. I just loved going to places because, I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, other than when we'd have a big school come in, like. Middle, we, we weren't packing the stadium out. You know, we played Minnesota, Georgia Tech, a couple big teams. Like, yeah, it would fill up. But I would always love going to, you know, like I said, Louisiana, Arkansas State, you know, these schools where they're, they just had great in-game atmosphere. And that's what you want. Like, at least that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted to go to a place where I feel like I'm playing big-time football. It's loud. The fans, talk, you know, talk trash. Like, that's, to me, what college football is all about. And, and the Sun Belt has done a great job of just, you know, keeping and growing these, these schools that have great fan bases and followings and they're passionate, passionate fans. Without a doubt. And as you said that watching the Louisiana and Marshall game, Khalil Labrum, the guy that was driving Ubers a year ago, dives in from one yard out seven, three thunder and herd. Mm, you know, both teams too. I mean, uh, especially Louisiana, both teams were, probably two of the favorites, uh, you know, Marshall in the East, everybody thought the East was going to be the more difficult side of the conference, but Louisiana, I mean, I think most people knew it was going to be some sort of drop off, but then I don't think most people realized that Troy and especially South Alabama were going to come up, but it's both of those teams kind of struggling, kind of not really where they thought they'd be. Um, so I'm interested to see how that one turns out at the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely cheering for Mike Zorno. I mean, Sunbelt legend. Uh, we we have the audio of him, uh, you know, talking with us about his days of playing. Uh, I think he was a three-time all-conference uh, performer. He's one of us. You know, we definitely want to see him succeed and, and uh, do everything he can. But, yeah, we definitely knew this year was going to be a rebuilding year. We just didn't think it was actually going to be this down. Yeah. Yeah, they uh I mean anytime you lose anytime you lose just a head coach and, the, and half the staff and and then with again with the transfer portal, you lose a bunch of guys like that. I mean, and that whole tough. NFL draft. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then you top that off with looks like three other teams that also got a lot better. So Louisiana gets quite a bit worse, and then three other teams get a lot better, and that's why you're gonna have a competitive a competitive conference, but that's what you want too. You also, you, you know, you don't want Louisiana and app state to play for it every single year and nobody else have a shot. So I, I mean, I, I, I don't like that Louisiana's down, but I like that. It's a little more competitive. And I know the Louisiana fans don't want to hear this, but like, I mean, they've been competitive in these games, I mean, but we, I think like early in the season, we see them lose to a team like rice. And we're like, how does Louisiana lose to rice? But then it turns out like, Rice is actually looking really good so far this season. And then you lose to I know the I know the Monroe game. I know that one hurts for Louisiana, but that's that's a four point loss on the road. And then you lose to a good South Alabama team by three points. So and you're it's seven to three currently in this almost halftime that you're you're down to Marshall on the road. So they're being competitive in these games. Uh, so that with with as much as they lost from that team last year. I I think even though this this year might be down to 
fans and and people and you know people like us like us from the outside watching them and following them and stuff i still think they're going to have success moving forward second half of the season is is uh coming up this upcoming weekend how do y'all see the second half shaking out do you think james madison can actually run the tables and, and do they get the exemption for bowl game i cannot wait i actually hope that they remain undefeated and coastal remains undefeated for that i think they play thanksgiving weekend would be awesome um i mean i we keep doubting them every week and they keep winning (laughs) they keep blowing teams out too um i hope they get an exemption uh i don't i don't understand that exemption rule anyway um but yeah they're they're good, man. That's that's scary. I, mean, I, got, actually. I got I got to I got to see them week one, and they I mean they absolutely crushed, you know, our Blue Raiders. But um, I mean they're good, and I and I I I hated that we had to go there and play. And I get it again, like when you look at the full swing of why the decision was made to take that game. Missouri backed out; they didn't want to come to Murfreesboro to play MTSU, so they paid us eight hundred thousand dollars to not play. We needed to pick up a game. James Madison said, we'll pay you 700 to come here. So it's a $1.5 million swing. But from a player and fan standpoint, I was like, this is a terrible decision because this is, this is James Madison's first, you know, game at this level. They already have a great fan base. They're going to be fired up. It was a trap game. Yeah, it was. And it was on the road. And not only like, you know, very few people really knew a lot about James Madison, but the ones that did were like, we don't like this scenario at all. So they go up there and, 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 and get beat bad. So then it, you know, demoralized kind of the fan base and the team, you know, they kind of bounce back in Colorado state and then another big game against Miami. But I mean, let me tell you, Todd Santeo is a real deal, man. He transferred from Colorado state last year and he's an incredible thrower. They got great receivers. They do a good job up front. Their defense is, is top notch. And my favorite thing about them is, you know, most dual, not, I want to say most, a lot of dual threat guys, their first read and they're taking off the run. He is not, he is looking to throw, throw, throw. And absolutely when he cannot at the last second, okay, now I'm going to run it. And that's, that's what makes him so good is he's able to get through his progressions, go through his reads. If he's not there, now I can take off and make some with my legs. And he's just done a great job. I mean, his numbers are, are, are crazy this year, and they're undefeated because of it. I'm kind of flipping over to the West really fast. I think the West could potentially be decided within the next two weeks. You have South Alabama playing Monroe coming up. They should – South Alabama should beat Monroe. They're at home. Troy is playing against Texas State at home. I think most of us picked Troy to win that game. I do think that game's going to be very close, though. Um, but I think Troy comes out of that game. <laughs> Jeff Jeff thinks otherwise with uh, with the Bobcats. Um, again, I think that's going to be a really close game. I think Texas State's going to come ready to play. But then two weeks from now, you have Troy going to South Alabama. And I think that game right there, if Troy – and South Alabama win this upcoming weekend. I think that Troy South Alabama game could and probably will decide the um, West champion. It's a Thursday night game too, I believe. Uh, 
That's another that's another one of those rivalries that you don't really talk about either. Troy and South, because again, at Troy, Troy hates a lot of people, actually, <laughs> but they hate South, too. I mean, that was a constant, you know, F South every time we every time we pass somebody. So literally the battle for the belt. And, and it very well could be the de facto championship game for the West. And, and I definitely think that is coming up on that Thursday. Guys, I thank you all so much for stopping by Fun Belt Podcast. We look forward to our annual show, as always, hearing hearing about the other four groups of, of the group of five there. We hold it down on the, on the Fun Belt. Tell everybody how they can find out about the entire group of five guys. Yeah, man, y'all check us out. First of all, Dusty, thank you for having us on. We enjoy it, too. Um, you can find us on all the social platforms at Group of Five Guys. Um, and then we do our own podcasts. Uh, just search group of five guys on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the uh, streaming platforms. And then hopefully we'll be seeing you can see Jeff at any and all Middle Tennessee games uh, calling on the radio there. And then hopefully we'll be on the road here later on in the year, um, possibly championship weekend. So good stuff. That'd be awesome to have a, a great mega tailgate there with y'all. Jeff, also, by the way, that means that you get to see one of our Sunbelt legends of uh, Clint Marks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, uh, that guy, he, he had some great stories to tell about the early days of the Sunbelt. It was definitely a, a great conversation. It's in our catalog on all of our social platforms as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Clint, Clint's a great guy. So for Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report, part of the Fun Belt podcast, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you all next week.